It's Monday, April 3rd, 2017, and this is Thoughts and Meditations on Christianity, a podcast devoted to just that. I'm your host, Brett Flora. Today we look at the greatest rebellion ever seen. No, not that rebellion with Leah and Luke, but one far greater, the rebellion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus was a rebel, and he was countercultural. He didn't stick to the status quo. And aligned with the Father's will, he brought to this earth a lifestyle that many found despicable. Even religious people of the time found his ways undesirable for not conforming to their way of life. Yet Jesus changed the world. His mentality spread throughout the ancient world, reverberating through the centuries, still making waves in the 21st. Even today, those who submit their wills to the will of Jesus find themselves opposed, even opposed by those who would profess the same Lord. Jesus rebelled against the world order, rebelled against humanity's ways of doing things, and ushered in a lasting kingdom that the gates of hell will not prevail against. And he did it not by being a conformist, but a rebel. WWJD? He would be a rebel. The call is for us to die to ourselves, our wills, our desires, and pick up our cross and follow Him. And following Him will mean not conforming to the culture, whether that culture is outside the church or has unfortunately slithered its way within the walls of the church. Jesus was a countercultural juggernaut 2,000 years ago, and let's look at some reasons why. Number one, Jesus loved His enemies. Do we love those who are in enmity with God? Do we pray for those who would seek to harm us? Jesus said this in the Gospel of Matthew, quote, If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? When we show love to those who are on our side, we look just like the world. But when we love people who are outside our circles, outside our friend groups, and even outside our faith, we couldn't be more unlike the world. And number two, Jesus opposed self-righteous behavior. Philanthropy is popular. Everyone praises a person who gives money to charity, to a foundation, or to a nonprofit. Athletes get media clips during games praising their names for their work in the community, and celebrities are heralded as quote-unquote world changers for their charitable contributions, and actually, they become more famous than they already were. Yet Jesus said this, quote, Beware practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do we give our money in secret or in public for everyone to see? When the offering plate goes around, are we chomping at the bit to place our envelope in the plate so everyone can see our righteousness? Or so we can feel good about ourselves? Do we do charity because people will see us? 
When we seek anonymously to give our money and resources, we begin to look like Jesus, guarding ourselves from pride and self-righteousness. Of course, we're not invisible, but we can still do all we can to avoid the snare of self-righteousness. Number three, Jesus humbled himself. Pride is that one sin that across the spectrum of humanity, everyone is infected with. Whether it's a fiery, unbelieving atheist or a born-again Christian, pride seems to pop up out of nowhere. We are prideful creatures, and if we look at the garden, we see that it's no coincidence. The first sin to ever be committed by human beings was pride, the exaltation of ourselves, the anti-God state of mind. Yet Jesus came to destroy the power of pride over our lives. He destroyed its power the same way he did all sin, yet perhaps Jesus was particularly interested in the destruction of pride. For from pride flow all other sins. So it must be no surprise that Jesus' life was the quintessential example of humility. Paul writes in Philippians, quote, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The only human being who ever had the right to be prideful was Jesus. Yet he came to this earth to display and live the exact opposite kind of life. Whether it was death on a cross or the seemingly simple washing of feet, Jesus showed the world that the kingdom of God would not be established upon pride, but rather upon the shoulders of a humble man from Nazareth. Number four, Jesus ministered to the worst of sinners. The gospel is a gospel of reconciliation, of redemption and restoration. The gospel gives life to those that are far off. It says to the sinner, come to Jesus, find rest from your burdens. It says to the one full of guilt and shame, Come to Jesus, the innocent and honorable one. The gospel says to the one enslaved to sin, Come to Jesus, experience liberation. But what the gospel doesn't say is, Come to Jesus, but first clean up your life. The gospel doesn't say, Come to Jesus, but only if you're not a fill-in-the-blank. But the church is guilty of just that. Guilty of ostracizing homosexuals, addicts, and others like them. The one thing that many churches have to learn is that we can love on the person while not condoning the behavior. If a drug addict walks into a church building, it should be heralded as a victory, and we should do everything we can to express the love of Christ in our interactions with that person. But we also shouldn't wait for that person to come to us. Rather, we should go to them. We should bring the light of the gospel to them. We should interact with them. Jesus sure did. He ate with tax collectors, conversed with foreigners, and welcomed prostitutes into his company. Instead of putting up a barrier, may our lives boldly reflect the missional attitude that Jesus brought to this earth. And fifth and finally, Jesus didn't care what people thought about him. I think we all struggle with this. Being a Christian doesn't make you immune to this either. 
We are overly concerned with what people think of us. We become so concerned that the boldness the gospel demands is choked out. We become inept, paralyzed Christians who are more than willing to blame anything else for their inaction other than the real reason that we fear man. The gospel changes lives through the boldness of people, not the fear of people. When we look at the life of Jesus and later his disciples, they didn't care what the culture thought of them, nor did they care what the religious establishment thought. They were on a mission, a mission of God that would not be stopped and will not be stopped. Jesus was arguably most bold when he declared his seven I am statements recorded in the Gospel of John. These were radical statements to make, and Jesus was not oblivious to the backlash he would receive, yet he said them anyway because the stakes were too high not to. The biggest reason we don't talk about our faith is because we fear man. Jesus didn't fear man, and and he was killed for it. But oh, how great the reward of his suffering is. And the disciples, emboldened by their resurrected Lord and the coming of the Holy Spirit, went out into the world with a boldness that only could have come from God. Paul was bold, Peter and John were bold, and countless others whose names have been lost to history were bold in Christ. Without boldness, the world would have not been turned upside down like it was. When God is on your side, the fear of man can wash away. So Jesus was a rebel. Rebelling against the world, the culture, and religiosity, he stepped onto the scene and in just three and a half years changed the trajectory of millions of people. If we, the church, are going to usher in the eternal kingdom of God, then we too must become rebels. We enter this world as rebels, and by the grace of God, we'll exit as rebels, only this time as rebels in the name of Jesus.